Hello, this is Stump, Death and Taxes. This is me, also known as Mary Pat Campbell, and today I'm going to be talking about political risk and pensions. You may notice my voice is a bit gravelly today, and I'll probably be editing out a lot of coughs. I'm delayed because I'm getting over a cold, and I was waiting for my voice to get good enough that I could actually record something and not have too many coughs. Um, I'm waiting for the Bank of England and their pension fund issue to uh, settle down a little bit. There is a political risk situation going on there right now, uh, but I would rather wait to see how that works itself out before I make any comment on it. As an actuary, <laughs> we always like to comment on the past. No, it's, it's more of I'm not familiar with what they call liability-driven investments. In the U.S., when we talk about liability-driven investment, we're usually thinking of strategic asset allocation and the kinds of things that we consider legitimate for pension plans does not involve the amount of leverage, evidently, that was embedded in the pension funds. And this is what always cracks me up. In the UK, they call them schemes. And of course, that that always makes Americans, you know, go a little bit shifty eyed because uh, just as, you know, the Brits start laughing whenever we say something like, Fanny, oh my gosh, you guys are so obscene. Um, yeah, we have different slang, we have different connotations to our words. Yet scheme does not have positive connotations in the US. We just call them pension plans, not schemes. And we also do not put the amount of leverage evidently, in them, though public pensions sometimes do. Private pensions don't. That seems not to be the case in the UK, and that has been causing trouble lately. Supposedly, some kind of ultimatum has been decreed that they have three days to sort it out. I have a feeling that deadline in the sand will be exceeded um, because uh, that they have something in a long-term promise that has to get unwound so rapidly and has endangered these long-term promises so, you know, so severely, supposedly, makes me wonder about the state-of-the-art of risk management in the UK. But let me get away from that and get back to something that I do know more about, and I'm more comfortable discussing, which is public pensions and their investments, and specifically the political risks inherent therein, and some opinions I've had over the years and changed over the years. So once I went conservative in the early 2000s, I kind of went all in on the popular conservative uh, opinions, but I've backed away from many of them just from practical concerns. And one of them was privatization of social security. 
Um, so the concept of privatization of Social Security is that instead of the pay-as-you-go program that we now have where you know you pay payroll taxes and that money goes straight out to pay current benefits and to, of course, do current spending, that was in the past. What's going on right now, of course, is payroll taxes are going out to current benefits and then... We have the trust fund, which are the IOUs that were put in uh, from the prior payroll taxes being paid and federal spending going out for stuff, not Social Security benefits. Uh, so we're in a cash flow negative position right now for the Social Security old age benefits, which was expected. You know, this was projected that it would happen. Uh, even before the pandemic, but of course the pandemic, you know, this not enough deaths, um, made it worse. And, um, so we're in the cash flow negative position right now. Cash is going out. And the concept for the privatization is that people would have private accounts like IRAs or 401ks, and they would invest in equities and bonds and that kind of thing. Well, over the years, from my experience of watching what has happened with public pensions and the politicization, I'm sorry, I do have trouble with pronunciation, of the investments, and it's been divestment of funds and, of course, kickbacks, just looking at what's happened in California alone with their investments and corruption, and I was thinking... The trillions of dollars that would be involved would be such a huge incentive to corruption that this is just a bad idea. Uh, I thought, you know, the best thing we can do with Social Security reform is to reduce the benefit for higher earners and just incentivize savings for them. So let's not make it so much of a retirement benefit for them. The concept originally, having talked with people who were actuaries for the Social Security Administration, saying it was supposed to be an anti-poverty program for seniors, like, fine, let's make it that. It's not going to be your retirement program. It's supposed to be a social safety net. Let's make it that. We'll make it basically welfare for seniors, but we can say it's something you earned and make it more like a flat benefit. Not, it doesn't necessarily have to be flat, but we're going to flatten out the benefits. That is something that will be more sustainable. And then forget about the salary cap. We can remove the salary cap and yeah, that won't be popular, but who cares? Um, and we could just make it all income taxes or all payroll taxes. I don't care. It's all one big money pot. Yeah, I know this is not popular, but you have to come up with something. And making it a retirement program, I don't think the federal government should be running your retirement. Uh, a social safety net, fine. No problem. But there was a big problem, and I'm, I'm not very fond of those state retirement those state-run retirement programs for the same reason, but as long as they're modest in size and not many people are in them, I don't care. The problem is these investments and something is going on right now in terms of various states have their politicians kicking asset managers out 
because they don't like their various policies with regards to ESG. So that's environment, social, and governance. Um, and they have differing views from those asset managers. And of course, this is just goes back to the principal agent problem, which appears several times. And remember, who's the principal here? Whose money is it? And you got to think about this because there's a lot of principals and agents. There's agents all over the place. But who are the principals? You have to think about that with public pensions. Where does the money originally come from? The money originally comes from taxpayers. So those are the principal principals. They are paying taxes to get services. Well, what are these pensions? Well, these are benefits to pay employees to give future benefits for current services, okay? So there are services being provided now by firefighters, by police officers, by teachers, by office workers, lots of different state employees. And the pension benefits in the future are intended to be future benefits to compensate for the, for the services being provided to taxpayers and other people who don't necessarily pay taxes. That's okay. Um, right now, the services being provided right now. Uh, so these are, these should be current costs. Okay. So I'm not going to get into valuation right now. So the principal, principal, principal are the taxpayers and you could say the citizens. Okay. So those are the really principal principles, but of course, it's the employees who have an interest in those future benefits. So that's another principle in the chain. So we've got the taxpayers and we have got the employees. These are principles and they have various agents. So as agents, well, the taxpayers may vote for, and you've got the voters, will vote for various politicians. Employees will have perhaps unions and or other representatives for themselves. They'll have trustees for their pension funds. So these are agents. Trustees should be fiduciaries for the pension funds. These are agents. And those agents will hire asset managers likely. Now these asset managers may also be employees or they may be third parties like BlackRock. So these are agents. So we've got various principals and various agents. Um, and whether these agents have their interests aligned with the principals. So we've got the principals who are getting services now and are paying money now for services now. And that money now is possibly paying for a benefit later. Okay, so that's the taxpayers, the citizens, the voters. Then you have the employees. They're hoping to get that benefit later. I mean, and they're also getting paid right now for the services they're providing right now. Um, and they want to be secure that they will get that benefit later. Okay. These are their interests. Okay. And they're hoping these agents will look after their interests. But then you have these politicians. These politicians do not necessarily have their interests aligned with any of the principles. These politicians are not principles. <laughs> it's not their money. Uh, in any of them. In a very small way, I mean, they're taxpayers too. Uh, and some of them may also be 
uh, public employees that, you know, they'll get pensions later too. They're a small part of that. But most of them have goals that have, they have interests that are not necessarily aligned. They may have, <laughs> well, obviously they may be corrupt. That's a different, let's put that to the side. Um, they don't need to be corrupt for there to be misaligned interests. They may be looking to a national office. They may be looking to other interests outside of protecting the pension benefits. They may be looking to, uh, you know, bolster their political power. And then you have your asset managers, they may be trying to optimize their fees by making more complicated systems of what qualifies as investments to the portfolio, rather than trying to figure out what are appropriate investments for the pensions. And with ESG, uh, you know, sometimes you're getting these criteria and these checklists that may not be aligned with the interests of the voters, of the citizens, of the employees. So let me look at the most recent piece of news that came out of Louisiana. So this comes from Chief Investment Officer online. Okay dated October 10th, Louisiana divests nearly $800 million from BlackRock to protect fossil fuel industry. So um, I'm quoting from the piece, Louisiana Treasurer John Schroeder is divesting $794 million worth of state funds from BlackRock because the world's largest asset managers blatantly, quote, blatantly anti-fossil fuel policies would destroy Louisiana's economy, end quote. The divestment is in response to BlackRock's sustainable investing philosophy and for the firm calling on other companies to embrace net zero investment strategies that would harm the fossil fuel industry, which Schroeder notes is a vital part of Louisiana's economy. Quote, this divestment is necessary to protect Louisiana from actions and policies that would actively seek to hamstring our fossil fuel sector. End quote, Schroeder said in a letter to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Open quote, I refuse to invest a penny of our state's funds with a company that would take food off tables, money out of pockets, and jobs away from hardworking Louisianans. I, okay, I probably misquote, I mispronounced that, end quote. Okay. So when asked to comment, a BlackRock spokesperson said the firm's view is captured by a line in its September 7th response to a letter it received from a group of 19 Republican state attorneys general saying environmental, social, and governance investments weaken Americans' national security. So BlackRock wrote in its response, Quote, we are disturbed by the emerging trend of political initiatives that sacrifice pension plans access to high quality investments and thereby jeopardize pensioners financial returns. And that's what BlackRock said. And I'm trying to get um, to the various uh, responses. So um, BlackRock's response, I'm reading from their letter and um so BlackRock's response from September, and it was it's a 10-page letter. So it's a long letter, and it does mention fiduciary duty. And this is one of the issues with regards to this principal-agent problem. 
One of the ways to try to deal with the principal agent problem is the requirement of fiduciary duty. With fiduciary duty, this is a legal requirement and in different uh, jurisdictions, they have different requirements of what that means if you have fiduciary duty. And so I'm not going to go through what it means in the case of pension funds. And there's lots of cases. I mean, and I am not a pension lawyer. So um, it gets worked out of what is and is not required. But in general, you're not supposed to be considering political aspects that said you know that future political decisions may have an impact on the future returns of certain sectors. Um, in this case, let, let me just read from BlackRock's letter. So there's a section called fiduciary duty and ESG. Uh, in managing our clients' assets, BlackRock seeks to realize the best long-term financial results consistent with each client's investment guidelines. Our participation in these initiatives is entirely consistent with our fiduciary obligations. Governments representing over 90% of global GDP have committed to move to net zero in the coming decades. And then they have a footnote and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we believe investors and companies that take a forward-looking position with respect to climate risk and its implication for the energy transition will generate better long-term financial outcomes. These opportunities cut across the political spectrum. Notably, as Bloomberg recently reported, Republican districts are, are well ahead of their Democratic counterparts in advancing clean energy projects and deploying clean energy technology. And, you know, and then they, you know, they go through these a variety of examples of how green investments have provided extra returns. Now, the problem is that uh, there's also been a history of politi political boondoggles. I'll just lay it out there on the line. Uh, we have the history that due diligence has not been had because they've been chasing that green dream uh, for the sake of saying we're green. And we've also seen, oh, yes, we have our Paris Climate Accords or whatever. And we said, oh, yes, we've signed the treaty and we have committed to these targets and not actually done anything to go towards that target. Or when they panic and say, oh, crap, we have to go to this target, they do it in a stupid manner, and then everybody freezes. And that's not a smart way to achieve returns either. So let's just say there is a reason for a variety of parties to have skepticism in terms of ESG criteria mapping directly to increased returns over just a plain market index. Um, it, it's not necessarily due diligence. In my own experience for ESG, G is extremely important in terms of having strong corporate governance, strong oversight, making sure you have independent directors on that board of directors and that they actually, those independent directors are actually knowledgeable in the industry uh, that, you know, they're overseeing. 
that's an that's an aspect for the e and the s it's it's more of not that they are doing all the check marks of what the latest fad is but that uh, you know they really are acting responsibly as opposed to chasing the fads and um you know doing all the various checklists it's kind of difficult to say that anyone is doing these correctly uh, some of these it seems that it's more for show but let us consider blackrock is just an asset manager they are just investing assets on behalf of others really the only reason they're putting out that they are doing whatever ESG criteria and they're trying to do this evaluation is because they think they have clients that this will satisfy. That's why they put out this letter that they think this is going to gain them more clients. This will retain them more clients and this will make clients happy. BlackRock is very unlikely to be doing this for political reasons. The politicians, on the other hand, whether Democrats or Republicans or whatever party from whatever nation, are likely to be driven politically. And, you know, this is where I get to the point where you say you have to remember that trustees of pension funds are supposed to be fiduciaries. But often you have politicians who are not trustees. They may be treasurers, controllers. They may be legislators. They may be governors who are passing laws, signing laws for states that are affecting the pension funds. This, and again, I usually point to California because they've done these laws before. They did a divestment law, I know, with regards to guns. I think they also did it with tobacco. And what's interesting when you see this, and it was also interesting when this came to New York City pension funds and Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg, who had a variety of, and this is why he kept getting nicknamed Nanny Bloomberg, he had all these various anti-soda, anti-smoking, all these, you should behave better, kind of, and this is why it was called Nanny Bloomberg, um, campaigns, public health campaigns, trying to nag adults into behaving better and having healthier lifestyles. You should bike. That's not necessarily healthier because there's the risk of getting run over by a vehicle. Though Bloomberg, of course, tried to make it safer to ride bikes in Manhattan, at least, if not the other boroughs. In any case, Bloomberg did demur when it came to the pension funds divesting from guns, from sugary foods and, you know, fattening foods, McDonald's and that kind of thing. Because, as he said, you know, the, the pension funds, they have to consider the returns and the fiduciary interests, the investment interests of the retirees and of the pensioners, not necessarily 
what's good for the health of the people who are buying the goods and services. You might be investing in, say, casinos and not considering the moral effect on the people who go to the casinos and provide most of the revenues. That's not the concern of the pension fund necessarily. It might be the concern from an ESG standpoint for S. You might think that gambling is evil and casinos are evil. That might be appropriate for an anti-gambling Christian fund, say. Or if you are a Latter-day Saints church and you don't want to invest in alcohol, that makes sense. Uh, it's in alignment with your morals. But is it appropriate for a public pension fund to say we are not going to invest in Bacardi rum? Um, so these are things that you have to think about because once you start down a certain path, it, it really, you know, left and right, everything is evil. <laughs> everything is touched by Satan. Um, this is not really appropriate for the fiduciaries to be looking at. And as I said, Bloomberg understood this because he came from finance. Um, BlackRock probably is not going to throw out everything that's touched by fossil fuels, but I could be wrong. They might be just putting some nice window dressing on it. I have no idea what they're doing. I'm not looking into their deep details because, you know, that's not my business. Uh, but the problem is you have to remember these politicians who are passing these laws are not necessarily doing this in the best interest of the retirees, not necessarily in the best interest of the taxpayers or the voters or whatever, and they may have other interests in mind. So um, what I used to argue is maybe there should be no public pensions whatsoever. Maybe it's not appropriate for there to be these kinds of assets for politicians to play around with. It is an enticement for politicians to play with all of this crap. Um, and it's just not appropriate for them to be playing around in the stock market. Uh, they are not acting as fiduciaries and they are playing political favorites. It is an enticement to corruption and kickbacks and all sorts of nasty things. It's a huge bucket of money in the largest states. It's hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, this is a lots and lots of money uh, that throws out a lot of asset management fees. This has caused uh, federal corruption, <laughs> uh, federal fraud and federal corruption uh, trials and convictions against various officials. I know this happened in California in pay, pay to play lawsuits, not lawsuits, actually criminal trials. So, you know, whenever you have these big hunks of money in the private sector, there's oversight. You have the regulators that are overseeing this and they don't have their grubby little mitts in the money necessarily. But when it is public pension funds, oh, you better believe that they can direct the money. So perhaps we shouldn't allow these big piles of money to be sitting around um, with regards to public pensions. 
it's kind of hard because they already exist. Um, and if you had the public employee unions, then you have, you know, the union leaders controlling it. That's a different issue of union corruption, and we've seen that in the private union space. So, yeah, I mean, there's different things. It's it's hard to get away with when there's a bunch of money sloshing around. Um, the best you can do is just have a bunch of people, you know, looking over everybody else's shoulders. With regards to public pensions, there's not a lot of oversight it's usually politicians, again, not necessarily acting as fiduciaries. And it's it can be bad when things go south. So, and I don't mean taking a vacation in the sun. Anyway, that's been Stump. And maybe the Bank of England will have gotten it all sorted out by next week. But I am a bit skeptical. So I probably won't be talking about that next week. We'll see what it will be next week. And if I will be less bright. So enjoy. Enjoy.